You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. Make sure to rate the podcast and share with your friends. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. We have something for all ages or online at 10 a.m. Make sure to check out our live groups or small groups. In this podcast, we'll hear a message from Pastor Robert. I got something on my heart I've been working on for a while. Is it all right if I just sit and talk to you this morning? All right. Uh, And I honestly pray that this message uh, helps somebody today. I want to talk a little bit about guilt. And the title of the message is Dwell in Grace, Not Guilt. Mike, anything you can do to help me? Um, Genesis chapter 3, just remain seated. We'll all just uh, be seated here this morning. Genesis chapter 3, verses 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden with the pastor's wife. Bless the reading of the word. <laughs> Leanne. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, Lord, that we're able to come into your house. God, we thank you for all those who laid their lives down for us, Lord Jesus. God, we thank you that you laid your life down for us. God, that we could have eternal life. Mm. God, we we pray for our pastor, God. We pray that you would give him the words to speak to our hearts, God, that you would open our ears and our hearts to receive it. God, we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Guilt versus grace. I'm pretty sure that we've all experienced guilt in our life. Anybody experience any guilt in your life? And this thought came to my mind, guilt always shows up after sin, but I don't want you to think today the only time we have guilt in our life is when we sin. Because there's other things that we do in our life that I don't believe would be a sin but I know better to do it. And then guilt shows up. So I was taught, I wanna be transparent with you this morning as I always try to be. I was taught from a young age that drunkardness is wrong. And I was blessed to be born in the family. Uh, My mom's maiden name was from, my dad's Shingleton. And no one in our family, and I, met, and, I, and I thought about this, nobody in our family drank in any way, shape, or form. On either side, aunts, uncles, I mean, that's the way I was brought up. So the Bible said in Romans 13 and 13, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in writing and drunkardness. So the Bible has a lot to say, and you can Google it. It has a lot to say about drunkardness, and this message is not about that. But I was raised in a home that I never witnessed it. I was never around it. And here's where I'm being transparent. About age 15, I started drinking. And uh, I got a job at Sweet Williams Restaurant in the Fairmont Mall. Anybody remember that? I was 15 and I lied and told him I was 16 and got a job. So I'm drinking and lying. There's your pastor for you. And uh, when I went to Fairmont, it was like a whole nother world. There was some kids in our area smoking a little bit of weed, not much. 
you went to Fairmont, kids was doing heavy drugs, man. I mean, it was a whole different world. So sometimes you try to fit in even when you know not to. So I began drinking. And uh, after the party, the guilt would set in. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Because mom and dad didn't raise me that way. I believe we've all felt guilt in some way in our lives. So that began to suck me under as a young person. And I began going to bars. And my dad was the insurance man. And he went house to house collecting people's insurance. And I'd try to hide my car behind the Odyssey Club. Why? Because of guilt. But my dad knew everybody. And my dad would make little comments to me. And then I'd even feel guiltier. So that began to suck me under. What has sucked you under in life as far as guilt? Is it a one night stand? That maybe your wife don't even know about or your husband? It's not a one night, that's what we call it. We call it a one night stand or we call it a fling. I had a lady a couple weeks ago come to me and said, well, my husband stepped out on me. I hadn't heard it put that way in a long time. But it's not a fling and it's not an affair and it's not stepping out, it's sin. It's rebellion against what God has for us in our lives. So what sucked you under? Did you pocket something that wasn't yours? I remember when I worked in the coal mine, Steve, we didn't have no tools. No tools in the whole mines. You know where they were at? They were at the coal miner's house. They had better tools than what we had. So what's your guilt? Is your guilt just a moment in life? Or has it turned in to be a season of life? Is your guilt maybe that you've not parented your children the way you should have parented them? I thought about this. My three kids didn't come with a manual. I can't Google it. And I have failed in some areas as a parent. So do I live in that guilt? What sucked you under? Did you blow your career? You had a great career and maybe you sent a text, a picture, and something ruined your career. Maybe you squandered your youth and spent all your money. Whatever it may be, what sucked you under that you're still living in guilt? That's the result. There's a harsh consequence of the guilt. There's something we don't even think about, I don't think. I, I don't know. But there's a consequence of guilt and it's called anxiety. And I look at my own life when I do something wrong and the guilt sets in, then the anxiety shows up. 
Anybody know what I'm talking about? I expected it to be quiet here today. That's fine. That's fine. Listen, humanity's first occasion of anxiety, anxiety can be attributed to guilt. Let me read it again. In Genesis 3 and 8, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. What happened to the first family? What happened until this very point in time, until this very day, there was no indication that they felt any kind of fear, any kind of guilt, any kind of anxiety. They had never hidden from God because they had nothing to hide from, because they had done no wrong. In Genesis 2 and 25, they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. So there was no guilt. There was no anxiety, there was no fear, because they had done nothing wrong. Man and women were created perfect Innocent, without any shame at all, Scotty, none. Naked, yet they were not embarrassed or ashamed. Why? Because no wrong had been done in their lives. And the sense, they sensed no guilt, they sensed no shame, nothing to hide from. I don't know about you, but when there's no guilt in my life, and I feel like I'm free in the presence of God. But even when I let something come out or think something that I shouldn't, guilt takes over in my life. And I'm thankful that God has placed that in us. Because if we did not have any guilt in us, we would be in trouble. Do you hear me? Matthew 5 and 8 said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. My goodness. They had nothing to be ashamed of, and then something happened. There came the serpent and the forbidden fruit. Open up your Bibles and go to Genesis chapter 3. And I want to read verses 1 through 10, and that's, that's a lot of verses, but bear with me. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, you shall, eat, shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the servant, serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. For God doeth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And then she gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. 
And the eyes of them both were what? Opened. And then what happened? They knew that they were naked. Guilt stepped into the picture of humanity. And they sewed fig leaves, fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? What a setup. And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. And he said, I hid myself. Who is the serpent? Let's look at the word of God. In Revelation 12 and nine, and the great dragon was cast out and the old serpent called the devil, disguised, he was disguised as a crafty serpent. Satan came to tempt Eve and Satan at one time was an angelic being who rebelled against God and therefore was cast out of heaven. Now Eve rebels against God. Not only, you see the, the pattern? Not only did she rebel, she shared with her husband. And it just kind of snowballs. <sighs> My goodness. They hurried and they hid in the bushes. Can you imagine? The all-knowing and the all-seeing God. And they're going to sow some fig leaves and they're gonna hide from a God that sees everything. Note the sequence, guilt came first, then anxiety came right after. Adam and Eve, here's, if you don't get anything, get this, Adam and Eve did not know how to process their guilt and neither do most of us in our lives. But we still try. We don't duck into the bushes. We've got more sophisticated ways to deal with our guilt. We numb it with a drink or we numb it with a wrapper and some weed and we twist it and we smoke it. You say, you're talking to church people. Yeah, I know exactly who I'm talking to. We got some Cheech and Chong's in the house, I'm sure. That wasn't in my notes. <laughs> we numb it with a drink or a smoke or a pill. We numb it with internet porn. And I promise you, we got something in the house. And we hide it. We numb it with a hotel room. How about happy hour? I never did understand that. Guilt disappears during happy hour, but it's amazing how it reappears when you get home. Hmm? Actually, it reappears on your way home. I'm trying to help somebody here today. We deny it. We we pretend that we've never stumbled. 
My Bible tells me for all have fallen short of the glory of God. All, all. You're looking at all right here. We minimize it. We didn't sin, we just lost our way. No, we sinned. Well, some say I got caught up in the moment. We bury it, we suppress it with our work schedule. We punish ourselves, we, we cut ourselves. I, 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 I don't understand that. We hurt ourselves. I, I, I just had an individual tell me today about someone in their family hitting themselves this morning. Hitting themselves. Because there's guilt. We redirect it. I've been guilty. I lash out at my kids. Lash out at my spouse. I'm the only one in the house, right? Right? Adam and Eve hid behind fig leaves. Fig leaves. Bushes. And they hid behind lies. Not much has changed. Not much. Living these lies are exhausting exhausting and, and it produces nothing but anxiety. Unresolved guilt will turn your life into a miserable life. Will turn it into, you'll be weary, you'll be angry, you'll be stressed out. Unresolved guilt will leave you in a mess. King David wrote in Psalms 32, verse three and four, after his, I'll say it, after his affair, instead of after his sin with Bathsheba. Listen to what he says. See if you can sense the guilt. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. And I groaned all day long, day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me and my strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Guilt sucks the life out of our soul. But I'm here today to tell you that grace restores it. No matter how you came to the situation or to the place that you are in right now, no matter how burdened you may feel, no matter how guilty you may be, God is ready for the solution. Jesus said in John 3 and 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. It is not God's purpose to condemn you. It is his desire to wash away your sin, to wash away your guilt, and to wash away your pain. Isaiah 1 and 18 said, come now. Come now. Somebody say now. And let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet. He knows. You can't hide. I can't hide. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. God invites us in this scripture to talk it over with him. Now we're not gonna change God's mind 
God's not going to compromise, but God said, come now. Come now and let us talk about it. No one had more reason to feel burdened or to feel guilt than Paul did. Paul was an ancient version of what we would call terrorists today. Paul would go and, and arrest and drag Christians out of their home. Paul had blood on his hands. In Acts chapter eight, verse three, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them, committed them to prison. In addition, Paul was a legalist to the core. Have you ever been around somebody that was just a legalist to the core? Before he knew Christ, Paul had spent a lifetime trying to save himself. You can't save yourself. You can't be good enough for God. That's where grace comes in. Somebody give him a hand clap and thank him for the grace of God. Paul's salvation depended on his perfection and his performance. I can't be good enough, Indy. I can't perform good enough in this pulpit. It's by the grace of God that you are saved and not of your works. It's by the grace of God that I am saved. You can't save me. Nobody else can save me. My works can't save me. The only one that can save me is Jesus. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can wash away my sins. Listen as he writes, Paul writes in Philippians. I said I was gonna keep it calm. Can I have a break and give me a drink? And it's water this time. <laughs> Philippians chapter three, verse four through six, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. That's what Paul's, Paul's saying. I've got some accomplishments. I've done a few things, and he's what he's saying. He said, if someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in their own flesh, he said, I got more. It sounds cocky, but it's not. Hold on. He said, circumcised on the eighth day. He said, I'm of the people of Israel. See, I heard a message on this last week and I wasn't impressed. And it drove me to go look at it. Of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. He said, I got a name. I, got a name. I come from good stock. I am somebody. He said, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, he said, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, and as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. At first glance of this text, it seems that Paul is boasting about his achievements, but he's actually doing the opposite. He is teaching you and I that human achievements, no matter how impressive, cannot earn a person's salvation and eternal life with God. I don't care what you've accomplished. I don't care how big your house is or how long your car is. I don't care how big this church is or how nice it is. Your accomplishments and my accomplishments will not save our soul and give us eternal life with God. There is only one way, and that is to come through the blood of the spotless lamb of God, and his name is Jesus. 
Paul had blood on his hands, but he had religious diplomas on his wall. But then came the Damascus Road, the experience where Jesus touched him, knocked him off his high horse. Once Paul saw Jesus, he couldn't see anymore. We know that he couldn't see, he was blinded for a period of time. But what it's all about is once Paul saw Jesus, he couldn't see his diplomas anymore. He couldn't see his achievements. What I'm saying is he said, I can see them. He still knew they were there, but he didn't see the value in it. He said, anything and everything that I've ever done has no value except for Christ. He became the great poet of grace. Philippians chapter three, verse seven. But what things were given to me, those I counted loss for Christ. He said, all of those things that I once thought was very worthwhile. He said, now I've thrown them away so that I can put my trust and my hope in Christ alone. In Christ alone. Stand with me. Nobody coming to the platform right yet, please. Of everything that I've accomplished, everything that you have accomplished, that we felt like it's very worthwhile. Not long after we're gone, nobody will ever remember it, Rosie. Nobody will ever remember it. I just wanna put my trust and my hope in Christ and Christ alone. In exchange for self Salvation, that's what Paul tried to do. He tried to save himself. God gave Paul righteousness. <laughs> Philippians 3 and 9, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So what does that say? Paul in a nutshell, he gave his guilt to Jesus, period. And I just believe in my prayer the last few days that there are people carrying guilt in this room. He didn't numb it, Paul didn't numb it, he didn't hide it, he didn't deny it. He simply surrendered it to Jesus. And I love that old hymn, I Surrender all. As a result, Paul wrote something to us. He said in Philippians 3, verse 13, Brother, I count myself, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, he said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I'm still not all that I should be. Paul said, I've not arrived yet. 
What would the apostle Paul to say, what would he say to you personally if you're carrying guilt today? He would say, why don't you rejoice in the Lord's mercy? Let me read something to you about mercy. I got tears in my eyes and I can't see this fine print. Psalms 145 and eight, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all of his works. What else would Paul say to you? He would say, trust in the Lord's forgiveness. You can't carry this guilt all your life and bear the fruit that God wants you to bear. Do you hear me? I believe there's people carrying guilt and you're the only one that knows it. It's time to surrender it to the Lord and trust his forgiveness. He said in Psalms 103 and 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Hebrews 8 and 12, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their iniquities, and I shall remember their sins no more. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, let it go. Look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor, dwell in grace, not guilt. Paul told Titus, and I'll try to close. I said, I'll try. Titus chapter two, verse 11, and then I wanna read verse 15. Verse 11, for the grace of our God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. God's grace is Jesus Christ. That's our grace, I'm telling you. The gift of the Savior to the world, that's God's grace. God's grace is the Lord Jesus Christ. God's grace, the Lord Jesus Christ, reaches down to those who have rejected God. That's God's grace. Verse 15, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. We are to speak forth the grace of God. And we are to, I focused on one word there, and it was exhort. We are to exhort the grace of God. And I don't say this to boast. And I, I, I've meditated on this this morning to whether even to share it because I don't want it to come across as holy as thou. My wife and I, we had a gift card given to us to the Olive Garden. We went up there a couple nights ago. They were standing clear out in the parking lot. I got, I'm, I'm a lot like my dad. I ain't standing in line nowhere. So we went up to Denny's. There was about three cars there. And we went into Denny's and this pretty little waitress come over, young girl, about 19 or 20. I just started loving on her. Because the Bible says to encourage. I just got to sharing with her. And I said, where do you go to church? She said, I don't go to church. I used to go to church with my grandma, but I don't go no more. I said, why not? Well, I don't know. I just, just don't go. She said, I, I, I believe there's a God. So I shared a little bit with her. When she came back with her bill, I said, I'm going to give you two tips. Two. Man, she lit up. <laughs> our bill was $20. I slid her $11, a 10 and a 1. I said, there's your first tip. And that'll last you about an hour. About an hour. And she made a comment, it may not even get me home with gasoline. 
And I said, the second tip is, my life was messed up when I was your age. And I gave my life to Jesus. And it's changed my destiny. And God wants to do the same for you. And she said, well, if I do that, will it keep bad things from happening to me? I said, no, it won't. Not at all. But the presence of God will walk you through that. I told my wife we got in the car, and the conversation, it was longer. I said to my wife, I said, she seemed like a sponge to me wanting to hear. She sat down, didn't she? She sat down, because my wife and I, we're honeymooners. We sat together on that booth. I ain't sitting over there. I'm going to sit here where I can touch her. Grab her leg once in a while. <laughs> My kids are like, oh, Jesus. If that bothers you, next time you come to the house with Annabelle, you keep your hands off of her. And when a boy comes to our house, Lexi, he can stay on the porch. See, I was headed for a life of guilt and a life of misery until I heard a preacher 38 years ago do for me what I'm trying to do for you. You don't have to live that way. That preacher 38 years ago described the divine grace of God. And I'm not guilty of anything from my past. And you can be here today and feel guilt and you didn't bring it on. Somebody may have done something to you and now you feel guilt and shameful and you didn't ask for it. You didn't sign up for it. Then you need to release it. Because God wants to set you free. And that's all I got to say about that. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I give you today what I believe the Lord has laid on my heart. I want to help you. I want to help you. Walk out the rest of your journey. Not trying to numb it, hide it, cover it up. But to totally, totally release it. And let God do a new work in your life. If you're here today, as every head is bowed, I want to ask you a simple question. Do you struggle with guilt in your life? If that's you, slip your hand up high. Slip your hand up high. Don't, don't hesitate. If there's guilt in your life, slip your hand up. How about our prayer team coming forward, please? I see people with their hands up of all different ages, it's something we all have in common. I read this. There is a reason that our windshield in our automobile is a lot bigger than our rear view mirror, our rear view mirror. Paul goes on and he says, I forget the things that are behind me and I focus on what's ahead of me. Don't keep looking in the rearview mirror. Look out the windshield. Because your future 
it's ahead of you. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you need to ask Christ to forgive you of your sins, friend, I'm telling you, it's the only way to heaven. If death was to knock at your door today and your heart is not right with God, heaven will not be your home. If you're here this morning, you've never prayed and asked Christ to forgive you of your sins, right where you're at, slip your hand up higher quickly and say, today, I'm gonna to surrender my life. I'm gonna give my life to you, Lord. Is there one? Is there one? One in this crowd today. Is there one? Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. Make sure to rate the podcast and share with your friends. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. We have something for all ages or online at 10 a.m. Make sure to check out our live groups or small groups. 